Welcome to the Park Church Sermon Podcast. This is the audio portion of our weekly sermon. For more resources, check the show notes or visit www.parkchurchdsm.com. We'd also like to invite you to check out our weekly podcast, Inside the Park, where we take Sunday to the weekday. Available everywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Uh, Thank you, Brad, for the opportunity to preach today. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads in prayer real quick as we quiet our hearts, uh, prepare to listen to what God has for us. Let's pray. Father, I do ask even now that you would fill us with your spirit, with a spirit of understanding that you would fill us with uh, an understanding of who you are and a desire to pray and and relate to you and worship you and renew our faith and and ask for freedom from temptation and, and, and fight the sin that's in our life. I pray that you would invigorate us with a, a desire for prayer even here this morning. I ask and I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Well, a few months ago, I had a chance to do a daddy-daughter date uh, with my youngest daughter. And if you probably will remember this, um, it was the night that we had like the double storm roll through Iowa. Do you remember that? The first one hit really hard, and then there was like a 30-minute gap. And then a second wave hit, and the second wave was even worse. It had a bunch of hail, things like that. Anybody remember that? All right, maybe I'm the only one. So I had promised my daughter I would take her out. And so that first wave came through, and I'm like, okay, well, we've got maybe half an hour here. Let's get out. Let's try to get to a restaurant. We'll eat. And so uh, we went to the restaurant, and as we got to the door, the hostess said, uh, my manager told me we're shut down because of the storm. And I thought to myself, I, I, don't, I don't know how much time we got here. I probably could have pushed harder to be like, hey, I've got my you know, little daughter here, uh, are you really going to turn us away? But I'm like, all right, whatever. We got back out in the car, and uh, we got out of that parking lot into the park. I'm, I'm not going to tell you which restaurant, by the way, because I don't want to ruin their reputation. But we got, we got just a little ways uh, into the other parking lot, and it hit. Uh, the hail hit. The, the, the ground was covered. The parking lot was covered with hail. And then that uh, sheet of, of water hit. I mean, it's not even rain. It's just water hit. And we were sitting in probably like three, four inches of water in the parking lot. And uh, I brought her up. We parked in the parking lot. I brought her up into the front seat with me. We held. I'm like, I, this is probably a bad idea. Um, <laughs> Uh, but then, you know, we, it, it, the worst of it got over with. We turned and we went uh, to Village Inn, which I don't think Village Inn has ever turned anyone away, right? Uh, and we had pancakes. I listened to her talk for like an hour. And then I went and bought her something. And it was a successful daddy-daughter date, right? Um, not, not, a, not a hard one. Uh, and by the way, you know, if you're working with a child that's particularly difficult, uh, daddy-daughter dates one of the best pieces of parenting advice that I've ever received and implemented, and it's been immensely helpful for us. Without being too informal, prayer is a lot like a daddy date. It's an opportunity for us to draw close to our Heavenly Father 
to remind ourselves of our relationship with Him, to renew a desire to love and obey Him, to renew our faith, to cast aside doubt, to fight temptation that we have in our life. It's an opportunity for us to draw close to our Heavenly Father. It's, it's a privilege to go to the God of the universe. Knowing that he listens and he cares and he has the power to do something for us. But I have a question. Why don't we pray? I think most of us understand that prayer is a good idea. Most of us know that it probably is a helpful thing to do. And yet if I were to do an informal poll of us in here and ask, how many minutes have you spent in prayer over the last week? What would your answer be? Like 30 seconds because of the ten, like three 10-second prayers before a meal that you did? You prayed for a few minutes here or there? All you teens that are out there, I know that you know, there's no tests right now because school is out, so you're not praying for those. How much have you prayed? I think there are five reasons why we don't pray. There might be more than this. Uh, this is just for you to examine your heart. They'll be up here on the screen. The first reason is because I think our prayers can get repetitive, right? Some of you have grown up in the church, and maybe you actually were supposed to repeat prayers. Maybe even the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to look at today. Or maybe you had other prayers that you just set on repeat, and they got boring, and, and you don't know what to you don't. It doesn't help you. Because you're repeating the same words. Some of you, it's just weird. You, grew, you didn't grow up in a church. You didn't grow up with prayer. So the idea of praying to someone that you can't see, it's just an odd thing. It's weird. For some of you, you're just tired. You go from sunup to sundown. You don't have any time. And maybe when you do go to pray, you fall asleep. For some of you, it's not tired. It's you're distracted. Distracted by, yes, good things, busyness but also distracted by entertainment, activities that, frankly, maybe you should get rid of to spend more time with God. And then fifth, and I think this is a common one that I struggle with, I, I just sometimes don't have the words. I just don't know what to say. I feel like I've said it before, and I don't know what to say again. Now, I'm going to have us all be really honest with one another. We're going to do an informal, which one is yours of this list up here? I'm going to have you raise your hand. I'm going to go one through five. Just raise your hand if that's you. How many of you, it's that um, prayers can just get kind of repetitive? Anyone? Okay, a few. How about it's just kind of weird? You just struggle with the idea of praying. How about you're just tired? <laughs> yeah, you're falling asleep when you should be praying. How about you're distracted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how about you just don't know what to say? Yeah. Well, here's your big idea today. Don't waste your summer with meaningless prayers. And I'm going to add to the summer here. We're focusing right now, Brad is putting a focus on our summer right now so that we can have a meaningful, uh, spiritual growth period of time with God throughout this summer. So don't waste your summer with meaningless prayers. But I'll add to that. Don't waste your life with meaningless prayers. Don't waste your breath with meaningless prayers. 
have meaningful prayers. Our key passage is Matthew 6, verses 7 through 13. It's a very common passage. You can open your Bibles there with me. I'll give you a minute to get there. Uh, If you're looking in your phone, uh, we follow the CSB. That's a Christian standard Bible. Matthew chapter 6, 7 through 13. It will be up here on the screen as well. I'm going to read this passage out loud. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 through 13. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, And when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Did you know that these words, the Lord's Prayer here, are some of the most repeated words in world history? But these words were taught to the disciples to correct uh, a kind of prayer that was happening. And I think it's a kind of prayer that you and I experience, that you and I pray consistently. Here, the CSB says, babble. It says in verse 7, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles. Other translations say uh, meaningless words. Don't go on and on and on with empty, meaningless words that don't really mean anything. Some of us are like that, right? When we pray, we don't mean what we say. We just say it if we say it at all. So Jesus is saying, how do you have meaningful prayers? That's why he gave us the Lord's Prayer, is to teach us to how, how to have meaningful prayers. Now, there's tons of different lessons we can learn from this. We're going to focus on two. I'm just going to do two lessons here, and we're done. And the first lesson is really, really important. You start with God. You start with God. Notice how he does this in his prayer. Our Father in heaven... And I don't know about you, but I learned it in the old King James. Anyone else? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how I memorize it. That's how I remember it from the time I was young. But you'll notice something about these words. It is looking at who God is over and over again. It starts with our Father in heaven. Now, Martin Luther, the great reformer, believed this was a caution for us not to just rush into God's presence, but actually recognize who he is. Actually see him for who he claims to be. And then it goes on, hallowed be your name, or may your name be regarded as holy. It's another way of saying we we want God to be respected like he deserves, honored like he deserves, not only in my life, but in the life of everyone around. And then it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Both Luther and Augustine say, We want God 
This is saying we want God to be glorified among the nations like he is or he should be in my life. We want, um, just as he's respected in heaven by the angels, that's how we want him respected here on earth. Now you'll notice something in these few verses. Do you see how they're just dripping with a respect and an attitude of respect for who God is? It's an attitude that recognizes his absolute sovereignty. We know he deserves all authority, all respect. We know um, that he deserves to be in control of our life. And so we have this submissive attitude. But it's not just that. It's, there's also a sweet, childlike trust that we actually think he's listening. We actually think he hears us. You see, good prayers start with that. They start with who God is. They start, it doesn't even necessarily have to be listing off who he is like it is here. But they start with an understanding of who he is. Like a, we're like sponges that is just absolutely saturated with who he is. Dripping it out in our prayers. It starts with God. I've got a picture up here of uh, the solar system. Well, it's not the solar system. This is a galaxy. Um, I am an absolute space nerd. You name the um, sci-fi series, I've probably watched it. You name the, uh, you know, the, the, the studies that they've done or the pictures that they've taken, I've probably seen it. My most recent one, they sent a, um, I don't even remember the name of the satellite. They sent it out like 40 years ago, and just a few years ago it passed Pluto. And they got high-definition photos of Pluto. It's unbelievable. They had to send it back to us. I'm not kidding here if you know anything about computers. One kilobyte per minute they sent it back over time. And you imagine how long that took it to get back to us. We have these pictures of Pluto. And they have good evidence that there's actually subterranean water on Pluto. Isn't that awesome? I just love space. All right. Now we have our solar And by the way, Pluto, definitely still a planet. And we're just going to say right now that we take Pluto, the planet. I want us to freeze time for just a moment. Let's take Pluto, the planet. We're going to move it over here to the center of our solar system. And we're just going to bump everything else down one, right? We're going to bump the sun to where Mercury is. And then that to where Venus and Venus to where Earth, Earth to Mars, and on and on and on. And we're going to just bump them all down to where each one is. And then we're going to unfreeze time. What happens? There's not a trick question, right? Chaos, right? Pluto is consumed. It pro all that subterranean water probably boils within minutes, right? Um, completely consumed. Uh, planets are flung over here with a, a, a different orbit than they were before. Absolute chaos in our solar system. When the right thing is not at the center, it's chaos. It's the same thing in our lives. When we are made to have God at the center, and when he's not at the center, there's chaos in our lives, and I will say chaos in our prayers too. When we are in the center, our prayers sound a lot more like talking to ourselves than talking to God. When what we want is at the center, our prayers sound a lot more like asking a genie 
for something we want than it does asking the God of the universe. You see, it starts with a right understanding of who God is. We have to start recognizing who he is in his glory, in his majesty. And let me ask you a question. Do you really know God? Not who you want God to be. Not who you think God is. Not who God is to you. Like me and Joe here. Joe, you don't get to decide what my favorite color is, right? What do you think my favorite color is? You are really wrong. My favorite color is white. But Joe doesn't get to look at me and say, no, your favorite color is blue. I determined that for you. I have determined that truth about you, Trey. You don't get to decide that. And you don't get to decide that any more than we get to decide things about who God is. He is. He exists outside of us. And it's for us to figure out who that is, not to decide who we want him to be. Who is God? Who is this God we're praying to? He's the maker. He's the one who's in absolute control. Not only did he make a solar system with planets, nine of them, some of you will get that, orbiting around the sun in, in this perfect dance. He made one single planet that is orbiting around that has life on it in this perfect space. Not only life, but an abundance of fruitfulness. Do you realize that the harshest conditions here on this planet would still be the most survivable conditions on any other planet we know of, including Antarctica. You realize that? He gave us this land, this earth of fruitfulness, so that we could flourish. And not only that, but he has made hundreds of millions of other stars with other planets orbiting them in our galaxy. And you realize, not only that, but he has made hundreds of millions of galaxies with hundreds of millions of stars and their own little planets circling those, that many of which will never be discovered by human eyes. I love hiking. There are crevices and mountains on other planets that no eye will ever see. Why did he make that? Because he could. Because he's powerful, immensely powerful, beyond what you could ever imagine, and he made the universe to demonstrate his power and his glory and his majesty. And not only that, it's not just that he's an aloof God that somehow made this magnificent thing, he also knows... It, intricately the details of who you are he knows the details of the human psyche in a way that no one will ever know what makes them tick why do they feel this way and not this way why do they think this way and not this way he knows that about you and I in a way that you cannot imagine he knows the details of your life and the decisions that you've made and the things that have been done to you and then how you responded to those that formed you into the person you are today. He is immensely in control and sovereign above all that. Above that, 
Get this, let this blow your mind. He was, he knows what was, he knows what is, and he knows whatever will be. And he's present in all three times at the same time. He is eternal, that's what that means. He's not bound by time like you and I are. Not only that, but he's perfect in every way. Get this, in every thought, every thought toward you and I, Every desire toward you and I. Every action toward you and I. He is completely without any crookedness, deception, selfishness, manipulation, or desire to harm. He is perfect. There's no shadow of turning with him. There's no darkness in him whatsoever. In this way, frankly, he's completely unlike you and I, right? Our relationships are absolutely littered with selfishness. I want what I want. You need to help me get what I want. He is completely unlike you and me in that. Frankly, he's completely unlike any of us and what any of us could even imagine. In this way, he is above, he is unique and different than us in this way, in that he is holy and he's high above us. Not only that, hear this he is enraged by the injustice in the world. Our God is not a God who is passive when another massive mass shooting happens, he's not up there going like, Meh. He's not passive when another war happens. He's not passive when another disease spreads. He's not passive when millions of babies are killed. In fact, in righteous anger, a righteous anger burns in his heart. And he does move, not always when we think he should, but if our God really does know everything about everything, which the Bible tells us he does, then there may be reasons why he doesn't act that we can't understand. No, he burns. His, his love for humanity burns inside of them when they decide to treasure the things that don't matter corrupt one another, sin against one another, hurt one another. When travesties happen in this world, his, his heart burns. And if all mankind continued down a road uh, a, away from all that is good and toward all that is bad, he would rightfully in that passionate anger consume them. Hear that. That's who our God is. That's who he claims to be, and you and I don't get to decide that about him. No one can escape that. We've all contributed to the sin that's on this earth. But God is also love, right? He's a God that is, is, is faithful. He's a God that is, is rich in mercy. He's a God that wants to forgive and wants to have compassion, even though you and I have sinned and sinned and sinned again. And to ensure that, to make that happen, he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your and my sins. 
So that once and for all, those sins are completely absorbed. It's as if God's fiery, inferno, anger for sin was rolling toward us. And Jesus just stood and absorbed it all. The fiery inferno that we deserve, Jesus absorbs. And because of that, we are forgiven. And not only that, because of Jesus' credentials, he's got the, pass key, the, the key. He can get into heaven. Because of those credentials, you and I can be called his children. Not only that, his children, but you and I can receive rewards because of his credential. Not only that, but we receive an unchanging relationship with the Father. A relationship that can never change because of Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we have a very small view of God. And I think that's part of the reason why we don't pray. I'll put it another way. If we really understood who God was, I think we'd want to pray more. I think that's one of the reasons why Paul, if you read any of his epistles, he'll pray consistently. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would know the love of God. So my question to you is, do you know God today? He's a God that, yes, is perfect and holy and hates sin. But he's also a God who's extending his hand to you welcoming you into a relationship with him and is willing to forgive you even this morning. Do you know that, God? Or do you pray to heavenly Santa? Do you pray to a genie in a bottle? Do you pray to an idealized version of yourself? Or do you pray to karma? Or do you pray to who God says he is in his word? So this is, this is then what we do with this, okay? If you want to start with God in your prayer, then you need to use your Bible. Brad did a great job last week talking about using the Bible to understand who he is, to, to gain a vision for who he is in our understanding, to let that absorb into us so that can drip out of us. That often means that our study can go hand in hand with meaningful prayer. I've got a, another picture that's up here. This is, it's hard to see. It's the western slopes of Colorado. Uh, so not the mountains that we all know. It's kind of like high plains and then uh, there's areas like this. I had the opportunity to go here to a cabin and pray. And one of my goals during that time, I really did not understand who God was, I didn't feel like in his holiness. And so one of my goals was I was going to be bored, but I was going to force myself to read the Bible and pray until I understood that better. And so I, I didn't have cell reception, basically, the entire time while I was out there, so I couldn't really get distracted, right? So I opened up Isaiah chapter 6, and I read it, and then I reread it, and then I prayed through it, and I read it again. And I said, okay, God, holy, holy, holy. You are holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled with your glory. God, what does it mean that the whole earth is filled with your glory? And I prayed like that um, for a good chunk of time. 
and I think it's probably, I, I needed that good chunk of time because my head's a little bit thick sometimes. But through that time, the holiness of God began to seep into me. I absorbed that. And I learned more and more about who he was. And my prayers ever since, I think, have been able to recognize how high above God is over me. It's changed me. It's challenged me. But I want you to understand something about this. I would encourage every single one of you, I would challenge every single one of you, go take your Bible without a phone, find a really quiet place where nobody's around, or you can go to Central Park like Brad does this last week, um, or at least he was going to do. Uh, I don't know if you ended up, did you end up getting to do that? Okay. I, I can't do that. I've got to have nobody around so I'm not distracted. But go take your Bible, sit, be bored, and pray over a passage for a while. Start with an hour. Say, I'm not moving from this spot for an hour. I refuse. Not until you show me something about who you are. And you pray over a passage. And you're like, I don't get that still. So you ask God, God, I don't get that still. Help me understand better. And you do that and you do that. It's a commitment, but it's something everybody should do every once in a while. It's not maybe something you and I can do every day, right? Although it would be precious if we did. But every once in a while, just do that. But here's what I, I need you to understand. Because some of you are hearing right now when I say that, you're hearing you have to be a Bible scholar you have to be a pastor. You have to be something else in order to really be able to pray. And that is not what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 through 13. This is a story of the centurion coming to Jesus asking for help. What is a centurion? A Roman soldier, right? How much do you think he knew about the Jewish scriptures? The answer is not much. That makes it easier to see, maybe, a little bit. Um, so Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 through 13. Lord, the centurion replied, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now hearing this, Jesus was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. I tell you that many will come from east and west to share the banquet with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus told the centurion, Go, as you have believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very moment. Now this passage is both a promise and it's a warning. The promise, the promise, you don't have to know a lot to be able to have God work for you. But you have to believe what you do know. See that? You don't have to know a lot, but what you do know, what this centurion did know, is that that man, Jesus, could save his servant. He believed it. And he said, Jesus, would you do this for me? You don't even have to come to my house. 
If you said it right now, I know that you're powerful enough and he would be healed. And Jesus heals him. And then Jesus says, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. There were rabbis that had the first five books of the Bible memorized. None of them had so great a faith as a centurion who knew very little but believed very much. So it's a promise for you. You might not know all the scriptures. That's not an excuse for you not to study more. But that doesn't mean you can't pray. That doesn't mean God can't work for you when you pray. But it's also a warning for you and I, right? Because it goes on there and it talks about the children of the kingdom. The ones who do know a lot about the Bible, they're the ones who are going to be thrown into the outer darkness, which is a symbol for hell. You see, it's a warning that there are many who know a lot about God, but don't know God. I want to encourage you to try to make a challenge of yourself to go to God like this. Go to God with simple faith, believing what you believe about Him. Believing what you know that His Word says about Him. And pray to Him based off of that. Not only that, I want you to remember that prayer is to God, and it honors God, but it is for us. There's, there's been this idea, and it's been around since like Greek mythology, that somehow gods get more powerful the more people pray to them. God does not need your and my prayers, right? He doesn't need it. So what is prayer there for? It helps you and I. Prayer is to God. It honors God. But it's for us. It's about renewing our faith. It's about reminding us who and what matters. It's about strengthening us against temptation. And that brings us to the second point that goes a lot faster. I promise you guys are doing great. Stay with me here and I think you'll be enriched. You start with God, but then you got to move to yourself. you got to move to yourself in a God-centered way. Recognizing your individual situations and lifting them up to God. And there's, there's like multiple that he lists off here, right? Right away. He talks about doubt. So that's why I think he starts with our Father. Some of you struggle with doubt that God cares about you. He does. We can come to God boldly because we know that our God is for us like we just sang. One of my struggles individually is that God is out to get me. If I pray for something, he's like a genie who's going to give me it, but then it's going to come also with this, like, uh, it's going to actually be the worst possible thing for me. You guys have seen Aladdin, right? When I say genie, you know what I'm talking about, right? But Luke 11, 11 through 13 tells us it's not like that. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Now, some boys might like that, but this is talking about fish to eat, right? Or if he asks for an egg, he will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Our God is good. He's for us. And so when we pray our Father in heaven, it helps remind us. He's a good God. He loves us. He's our Father. We have that relationship secure. He wants what's good for us. Not only that, but we pray for provision. It says, give us this day our daily bread. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Proverbs 30 verses 8 has a great prayer for this. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food that I need. Otherwise I would have too much and deny you saying, Who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal, profaning the name of the Lord. We present our needs. Some of you are going through difficult times. We're all feeling the tightness of our wallet right now, right? Some of you are going through tough times financially. It is okay to ask for God's provision. In my life right now, I'm a home mortgage consultant for Wells Fargo. Some of you may or may not be paying attention to the news, but mortgage interest rates are very high right now. The highest, they, they had the highest jump in the last six months than in decades. I am praying every single day, Father, would you make me fruitful in my job? Help me to do good so I can provide for my family. Luther prayed this prayer not only for himself, but for his neighbors and his community so that everybody could have what they needed. Not only that, but forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. Regular confession of our faults to God is an important part of prayer. A mature life is a life of confession. Hear me. A mature life is not one that's moved past confession. It's one that still needs confession every day. And the reason for that is because you and I aren't perfect. We should be growing. We should be becoming more mature. We should be repenting from our sin and putting it away from us. But a mature life is one that still recognizes they struggle with sin and they need to confess it. But not only that, but we live in a world with relationships where people are constantly sinning against us. Okay, maybe just my family that happens, right? If you've been married for two seconds, you know this is a reality. If you've had a roommate for two seconds, you know this is a reality. If you have a, a, a clump, desk clump buddy for two seconds, you know this is a reality. You will always have people sinning against you and you'll always be needing to guard your heart against bitterness, to, to ask God to help, the, help you forgive them and let those things go so you can live in peace. There are many different um, requests that he makes in here, but another one of them is trials, right? Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. In other words, do not bring any circumstance into my life which would cause me to despair my faith, be distracted from you. The word lead is a request, um, God, to protect us from evil within. Deliver, that second part, is a request, God, would you protect us from evil without? In other words, God, both in my own soul, I'm tempted toward evil. And then there's out there temptations and trials that I face. Would you guard me from both? That's an okay prayer. It's an okay prayer to say, God, I don't want to face temptation. I don't want to face trial. If I do face it, I want to face it in faith and trust with you. But it's an okay prayer to ask for deliverance from that too. Listen, this is not like an extensive list of different circumstances you and I face. But it is a list. 
you will face a variety of different circumstances in your life. But what you do with those is you start with a God-saturated view in your life. You're just dripping wet with who God is. You know who He is like a sponge. And then from there, you work your way out to the various situations. God, I've got a kid who's really being difficult for me. God, I need a job. God, I'm struggling with my health right now. God, would you work and be, be there for my neighbor that just lost a loved one? You work your way out to the various situations of your life after you've started with who God is. That's how to have meaningful prayers. I want to give one more thing. Then we're going to move to close. Last thing. I challenge you to mean every word you say. Sometimes we get praying so quick. Our Father in heaven. Look, you could pray our Father in heaven for an hour and have that be enough. Now, some of us start with Heavenly Father, right? Anyone else? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Anybody start their prayer before like a meal? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. Bless to our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. So many of us have prayers where we just skip over amazing truths, amazing words. We have a Heavenly Father. Don't skip over that. Take a minute. Sit in it. Think about it. Be amazed by it. Let your life be enriched with it. And then move. Make every word meaningful. So I want to, how can you avoid wasting your summer this summer? Well, you have meaningful prayers. How do you have meaningful prayers? You start with God and then you move to your specific situation. That's how to have meaningful prayers. What we're going to do now, we're actually going to give you a chance to have a meaningful prayer. That's how we're going to close the service. We're going to put up uh, Matthew chapter 7, the Lord's Prayer, or chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer will be up here on the screen for you to review. You can also pull it up on your Bible. And I'm just going to challenge you to have silent prayer for just a few moments through the Lord's Prayer. Just read it out. Make every word meaningful. If you think other things or if like our Father in Heaven reminds you of another passage about God being a good Father, absolutely pray that too. It's just something to stir your mind in your prayer to Him. Just a few moments, I want you to have prayer to Him. Be thoughtful about it in silence and then I'll close and uh, we'll dismiss you and let you get going home for your afternoon activity. But, but have meaningful prayers here today. Have meaningful prayers this summer by starting with God and then moving to your specific situation. Let's pray.